Welcome to the Hunter's Hub. Uh, today, it's just Haru and I. This is uh, Fortuan. Um, and we're going to be talking about uh, mundane versus the fantastical. I kind of don't know why this brought up yet. It was Haru's idea, and we're going to go with it. <laughs> um, but uh, we'd like to thank uh, Wolfie Mountain for the intro, which might still be going on. I got kind of quick on this one today. Uh, but also, we're going to be talking... Uh, Talking about the Nintendo Direct that was yesterday as of this recording. Um, I didn't get to see it till last night, like around after midnight for sure, because I was busy doing uh, magic stuff for my EDH league. Um, so I was trying to avoid spoilers, so I missed a lot of discussion about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and Haru, you saw... Did you watch the whole thing? Uh, or just I watched highlights? the good parts. Okay. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, I had to talk to you about Tetris. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, but, well, first, you know, we'd like to start off with what we've been playing. But I don't think Haru's got to play too much because your power's been out quite a bit. Yeah, I've only recently um, powered up. Uh, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. Because, <laughs> you know, Snowmageddon <laughs> and all that. Yeah. Well, it's actually pretty good here. It's like a, a upper 40s today, which is amazing. It feels like summer, I told my brother today. Yeah, it's definitely it feels melting. like summer. Thanks yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I will be talking about what I've been playing. Uh, a big surprise, Into the Breach, still trying to finish it. Uh, I actually did finish like the random teams and the... Uh, custom teams. The random teams were not bad. Like, I thought they were going to be bad. It's like, hey, take a random assortment of mechs and just try to make it work. And I found out, it's like, hey, if you get like, a bunch of high damage mechs and you just kill the shit out of everything, it works. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, that works. So I tried to do that with customs. It doesn't work. And I don't understand why. It's the same game. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> But uh, the Customs Act actually had different achievements to do, and so I actually looked them up. I didn't just figure it out myself like I did for everything else, like uh, the weirdest one, and I kid you not. Uh, i got to get a little technical, but basically there's these units, and you've played Tactics, right, Haru? Wait, you mean Final Fantasy Tactics? No. Yes. No? Okay. Well, it's that kind of style of game where it's just grid-based. I'm sure you know strategy games. Oh, like Fire you, yeah, I've played an SRPG before. Right, so the units can only attack in plus signs, so in front and off to their sides. That's right. The only thing. It's only cardinal no directions. Right. So, uh, but it's in an isometric view, so it's kind of hard to say north and south. It's just like up and left, down and right, you know, whatever. Um, but there's a unit that is, I don't remember what they're called. Maybe it's just called the freezing mech. I don't know, but it's a it's an artillery, so it means it can shoot everywhere in a line across the whole map except for directly in front of it and what it does is it shoots this ball of ice that freezes the target um, but it also freezes itself so it sounds like a bad mech like oh crap now I have to take a turn to bust myself out of the ice well there's certain things you can do like line yourself up with active enemy attacks and get shot to break the ice um, or stand up on uh, what they call an emerging vec, which is like the monster spawning 
in a certain tile. It's like, hey, a monster's going to spawn here next turn. If you stand on it, you block them for spawning for one turn. I mean, you have to continue to stand on it to completely block them, but you can block them that turn. Um, that will break the ice, uh, stuff like that. But the suggested thing, like the, the, the easiest strategy to get two of the achievements doing this, which is use all the same mech and use a flying mech, uh, use three flying mechs because they're a flying unit also, is to do all three of these ice mechs. So I tried it and I got it pretty close on the first try. <laughs> I was like, oh wow, that worked. That was crazy. So like I was just trying to wrap my head around like why does this thing think that looks so stupid like work? But I did it. I unlocked the secret team and I kind of don't want to do the secret team. <laughs> Is that the it's, randomly selected gonna, mode that you were talking about? No, no. I finished that pretty easily. Uh, no, there's like I had to do all these achievements to unlock the final team and I wanted to see what they were. And it's literally like three units of the enemies is your secret team. Oh, now, so it's like you get to play the villains over. Yeah, but the thing is, like, the villains they give you are not the awesome ones. Like, I would say one of them is a pretty decent one, but they're like the standard enemies. Like, literally, the easiest ones to kill are the other two. So, so it's like uh, you get the. Uh, it's, it's like in the Halo RTS, you get to play the Covenants. But you get, like, grunts, jackals, and the bug people. Right, yeah. I was going to say, if you put it in Mario terms, it's like being Goombas and, Goombas and Koopas. <laughs> Mario? <laughs> Why would that Koopa. come up in this podcast? Ma- Mario? We'll be discussing no Marios, no, no Nintendos in the future. But <laughs> we just said we are going to talk about the... Okay. It's a joke. Anyways. <laughs> it's a joke. Don't tell them. So, I kind of, I played around with it. I'm going to go back to it and finish it, but I just was eager enough to try Wargroove to, to start it, which is another strategy RPG. And uh, that one's a little different than I expected. It's actually not, I like Into the Breach more because I don't like... I don't like, uh, let's say, units that attack each other when you attack them, if that makes sense. So, like, Fire Emblem does this? Or it's like Risk. You ever play the board game Risk? You have a chance of losing your units for attacking someone. This is what happens in um, Wargroove. Yeah, so it's sort of like a card game. You have to trade your... uh your minions kind of yeah so it's like you're going to do 70 percent damage to the other units and they're going to do 20 percent to you so now your your unit is at 80 percent health for attacking i think i know like a tabletop like, game that's like that yeah i, I think yeah, yeah i don't know it's i don't like it it makes sense for what they're doing because it's literally like the idea is there are 10 units in a in a, in a unit and a you know if you're 80% health, there's 8 left or something like that. I, I don't know. Maybe 80 out of 100. I don't know what the number is, but it's basically like whatever you want to think it think of it as. But it also is not representative in the sprites because, like, it's obviously it's one sprite, which kind of makes sense. But, like, when you go into, like, these little animated cutscenes that pop up, and they're really cool, actually. Uh, they show, like, you, like, the left side 
running over to the right side and bashing them with swords, and then like the other the other side bashing them back and killing a couple of the people. Um, Age of Empires kind of does this kind of thing. Is it Age of Empires? No, it's Civilizations. That's the one I'm thinking of. Does the same thing. Oh um, right, because you can lose if you attack like a higher yeah. power level. That's interesting because that right. kind of system it makes it so that there's no like safe moves. There's no like free damage. Right. Uh, right, and there's all these like there's a lot of information on what unit is strong against what unit, and it's not like they're not like classes per se. I mean, they are. So it's like cavalry and lancers and that kind of stuff. But it's like I'm good against these lancers, not these lancers. So they just literally show you a picture of like what they're good against and what they're weak against if you look at them and i'm like oh and it's a picture of what the enemy units have so they're in their colors and if they're look different for whatever reason they'll look like them so it makes sense but at the same time it's like i haven't seen this yet oh here it is now and it's really weird it's like literally base building at the same time too but in this like 2d it's just it's weird i played the first couple like story missions because like i guess i'm just gonna play the story to start with <laughs> and then i don't know it's just kind of like this is not what i expected it's not bad but i kind of like more information <laughs> and i was literally playing a game that was better at this just now so i might just go back to that yeah wherever, uh, however that was um wasn't that announced at like the switch event or something like that's been it was it was announced like at the Switch yeah, the Switch event where they first revealed it and they were like, It's gonna come out this year. Here we are two years later and I, I still got it. I think it came out last year. Or no, 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 it just get, just came out. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was um, it was Pocket Pocket Fighters by by the same company, uh, Chucklefish that came out last year that was announced at the same time. It's kinda of funny because people were excited for Wargroove because it would be the seemingly it would be like an indie Fire Emblem kind of thing. But now that Fire Emblem's like actually coming out sometime this year, uh, right. it, you know, it, it's it's like uh, games that overstay their welcome and they get uh, like, like Dauntless and Monster Hunter World. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, get run over by yeah. the AAA games. Yeah, I think... I think Dauntless has some cool ideas. I just don't like it as much. <laughs> I just don't. I tried it. Uh, so Hellkite, uh, I, I didn't get to play with him. I talked to him on the game a couple times, uh, but uh, he was the one that sort of convinced me to do it. And I mean, he loves it. He, uh, you know, or did at the time. It's been a little while now since we talked about it. But um, yeah, it was it was a weird foray into pseudo Monster Hunter world <laughs> like it was really weird but hey hey it's it's okay <laughs> um i think that i can't remember there's actually another series that people were saying that, that wargroove was going to be like uh, a series that's been discontinued and it's something like battle something i can't remember i never played it so i don't really know it that well but everyone was saying oh yeah it's like that and i'm like okay cool like i don't know but yeah people were advanced wars i think is what they were saying um yeah i think advanced wars so um, have you been playing anything yeah else? Just, uh yes uh i've been playing a lot of 
well, Dragon's Crown, actually. So, plug for side quest. I started Dragon's Crown uh, this week. Uh, I've been playing through co-op with my brother. Um, I'm not going to talk about it much, yeah. uh, obviously, because that's for side quest. Uh, but I will say one thing about it is it is hard to figure out side quests sometimes. Very hard. <laughs> yeah, I remember playing uh, Muramasa, the, like one of the previous games. I think the direct previous game. And it's yeah. a side-scroller, and it's like sort of a Metroidvanian world style, so you just kind of have to like walk from left to right to go to, the, to, to go to the next next objective. Right, They have yeah. to find like the... Yeah. The enemy or the... Yeah, it's... it's um, we got pretty frustrated. I think it was yesterday and today trying to figure out a side quest, particularly. Um, and we didn't want to look it up because we're just stubborn. But yeah. Um, that, and I've been playing a lot of uh, The Lord of the Rings Shadow of War. Uh, uh, giving my PlayStation 4 some love for once. After playing... Actually, I did play... We talked about that already. I did play Monster Hunter. Uh, but I've been playing Shadow of War instead since. And uh, lots of fun. Um... I'm realizing I remember more of that game uh, from watching a stream by someone. I didn't watch a stream, per se. I watched a YouTube series they did on it. Um, I don't think I watched the full thing. Uh, at the <laughs> but I do remember a lot more. And I was, or like I thought that I didn't watch as far as uh, I did. Because I was like, oh yeah, I know what happens here. And then like I don't. I'm like, no, I know this eventually happens. And it hasn't happened yet. Like, uh, basically, uh, one of the orcs that you recruit, it's like the first captain or whatever you're allowed to recruit because storyline. Um, Bruise is his name. Like, he betrays you eventually. And, like, I thought that we were at the point where he was going to betray me. And I'm like, nope, that wasn't this point. Okay. How, how can they betray so, yeah. you in that? You've mind-controlled them. It's the, you'd start to figure out that it's not perfect. You start to figure out that you're spreading your powers thin. Oh, uh, okay. And that's sort of like the idea of it when that happens. Because you're... <laughs> it's funny. Because like if you know Lord of the Rings, you know that using a ring of power, especially specifically the ring, is not feasible because only Sauron can control it. So the misguided elf that is your partner slash ghost friend <laughs> in the game has forged a second ring of power and plans to use that against Sauron. And this one's blue. Um, and this one's blue. But, uh, yeah, he kind of acts like a druggie about it. Like, it's just as bad. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Play yeah, it's game like... They're doing, like, the descent into uh, tragedy. Maybe. I haven't finished the game, so I don't know if it's a full descent into tragedy or not. I don't know if it's like an actual like cut-dry end to this storyline, because I just don't know. I haven't finished it. Spoilers, uh, they defeat the Sauron. They, they win the Lord of the Rings. I mean, spoilers, they don't, because it's supposed to happen before the, <laughs> the Hobbit. Joke. That's the joke. <laughs> Forge, thank you for explaining the joke. I'm sorry! Uh. Alright, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's what I've been playing. So I've been so, uh, playing uh, this this like indie game actually. Uh, it's called The Long Dark. Okay. So it's like oh, I've heard of this. Yeah. Yeah, it's like so you're in Canada, you're flying in a plane, and the apocalypse happens, and it like 
shorts out you're playing, you're crashing in this sort of snowy uh, wasteland, and there's a bunch of, like, pine trees, and you have to, like, all the food's oh, yeah. gone bad, so you have to, like, wander around and survive and, like, not get eaten by bears. And, like, oh, boy. in this one chapter, I was, it? like, sprinting under these power lines, and then uh, I was trying to find another survivor. And then I mm -hmm. came back to that area later, and the power lines had fallen, and they were, like, sparking. And they were, like, uh, you know, like uh -oh. discharging. So, like, if I w was there at the wrong time, uh, like, I could have been killed. And uh, the joke here mm. is that I have not been playing any video games because my power was out. And that's just better what I've been doing in real life. But, hey. <laughs> you thought it was a video game, didn't you? Uh, nice. <laughs> Nearly died, apparently. Great. <laughs> yeah yeah there's uh there's always it's always funny like how you can just randomly die sometimes in games but like um i, I want to say like the funniest game that was like i died in the most random way always to me was halo 3 because it's like how did i get killed and you mm. watch the replay later on it's like he shot a wall and it bounced four times and hit me in the head he did not do that on purpose. <laughs> One of the worst things is, like, if you put the, the skull on in Halo 3, it's like, grenades on the ground explode if they're shot, or if, if an explosion happens near them. They get the most chaotic, like, chain explosions, and, like, yes. you get totally ruined oh my God. by just random RNG. So, um, in uh, in Shadow of, uh, Shadow of War, there's a type of captain or whatever they have like they have different abilities or whatnot um like when you like fighting them and weaknesses and stuff but one of them like uh <laughs> one of the things they do it's like uh it's kind of like a dropping a grenade kind of thing like when you kill them and it's like well that doesn't make sense it's lord of the rings it's literally just like out of nowhere catapult fire that just lands on him when he dies and it's like it shows like these circles. I didn't know what it was the first time. Yeah, it's literally just like you just like there's circles that appear like area like there's an area of effect damage is going to happen here. And I wasn't paying attention the first time it happened. I was like, okay, I just killed him. All right, let me look at this item and that kind of stuff, which pauses the menu. But then I got unpaused and I was just standing there thinking like, okay, where do I go next? And then all of a sudden, like I just like the ground explodes underneath me. <laughs> and then it explodes like four or five more times because it's more catapult fire and I'm like holy cow <laughs> I didn't die but I came very close so uh, that's like the uh, this is like, fantasy version of uh, the Call of Duty dropping a grenade dropping a grenade yeah it's just like random catapult fire out of nowhere like and it's funny thing is like one of them I did it was like a stealth kill so like literally no one knows where I'm at so I'm stealthed and I'm sitting there and I see the the circles appear and I'm like run 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 I didn't make this one because I was like in a, uh, a an alley between a couple buildings in the fort or whatever I was in so like I tried to run up the wall it just I didn't make it <laughs> it just died an even better <laughs> version of that would be like if they took the the Urukai from the Two Towers movie with the torch. And, like, he's just, like, running at you. <laughs> oh, dude. So, they don't have the, the Urukai because, obviously, they don't exist yet in the world. Yeah. But uh, they do have the orcs, and they have the Aurochs, 
which are like basically um, they describe them as just the smaller trolls. Do you remember the the war trolls they had like big things pushing gates open and stuff? Yeah, the mountain it's trolls. Like, right. So like Cave they're trolls? just something like that. They just called them battle trolls. Like they're literally just trolls that are smaller. That's it. Like so the aurochs are actually a type of enemy that you can fight uh, that is sort of like serving the purpose of the aurochi. They're not like commanders always. They're just a type of unit that's bigger and stronger. They have a funny thing though, because like they're they're harder to stealth kill and that kind of stuff. You have to actually have higher damage on your stealth killing weapon, your dagger, to actually do it. Um, which I do because I I specialize in stealth on some most games like that. Um, but uh, they uh, they. Uh, the or the oryx are also able to be captains and stuff, but it's really funny because they have the same weaknesses and stuff as the orcs. But like because they're an oryx, it's like they just innately have more resistance. So one of the things that can happen is an orc can be uh, deadly lethal to something. So if they get touched by it, they're dead. They're going to die. The problem with an oryx is he has so much more health that it just takes longer. So. At one point, there was an Oroch that was a captain I was, like, going to kill um, who was lethal to fire. And so I blew up a barrel near him with my bow and he's, you know, blows up and catches fire. It does, like, no damage to him, but he catches fire. And he's just running around in circles screaming. And I kid you not, it was, like, three minutes of me just standing <laughs> on top of the building watching him burn to death. <laughs> uh. I'm, just, I'm just like, okay. I'm just going to watch this. And uh, my brother was in the room and he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just watching him die. <laughs> we just watched I it. I love that. <laughs> I love that in uh, Shadow of Mordor. Because I remember, like, uh, I think I want to say, like, Bees was one of the insta-kills. And then, like, I think you get, like, headshot someone. Yes, shot the Morg flies. For, yes. for insta-kill. Oh, dude, yeah. It's called soft-headed, what you're talking about. Like, lethally soft-headed. But that's so great in a game it's where like, all you're doing is like it's an open world and you go from place to place and you kill a dude and you go to the next place and you kill another dude is you can just like fast forward <laughs> right. through the whole boss fight and just like nope you're gone uh, it, right yeah playing, so if you plan like, accordingly yeah yeah it's it's really I like it a lot for that but yeah that's going back to what I was playing did you play anything else uh, or did you have more to say about your survival game <laughs> uh no like there's, the long there was dark. no electricity. <laughs> <laughs> You're was, right. Um, I couldn't play the Switch, I guess, but like, it was cold, though. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Sometimes you just don't feel in the mood to play certain games. Um, so I guess uh, we'll move on to talking about the Nintendo Direct. Uh, we're not going to talk about everything in the Direct, because honestly, we don't care a lot about... Um, you know, stuff that happened. Uh, one thing I do briefly want to mention, we actually got confirmation from Nintendo, I think, that Mortal Kombat 11's coming to it in this Direct. Um, I'm not sure if Nintendo confirmed it yet. I'm sure. We just saw it as a logo at the end of the trailers before. But that was hilarious. That's I'm excited for. Uh, Mortal Kombat in the, in the Direct, because it, it had the most carefully edited, like, maybe 15-second clip. Because they couldn't yes. show any of the Mortal Kombat stuff in a Nintendo presentation. Right. Right. So they, yeah, they basically showed Scorpion walking up and doing his intro where he slashes a sword a couple times and a couple of people, like, getting punched. And I was like, like, 
Mortal Kombat done. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was like that was part of like their headlines, which a lot of people seem to like. Is just where they sort of like blast through a bunch of announcements, and then I don't know. Overall, like I think the direct was okay. It was a little long for me. I did watch it like at one in the morning, like after the the league meeting, so I was already tired. <laughs> so I was like, can this just end? <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, but, uh, the first game that I really want to dive into is, uh, Super Mario Maker 2. Uh, I was a big fan of Super Mario Maker 1 on the Wii U. Um, <laughs> I thought like, uh, to me, like that was like the Wii U was good. Like it didn't need any other games. I just need Mario Maker. That's not true. I played three ultimate on like the crap out of, I played the crap out of it on the Wii U, but and I bought it. I bought the Wii U to play through Ultimate on it, um, but uh, this is for those who don't know, it's Monster Hunter. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, I played a lot of Mario Maker. I like it a lot. I've always liked the Mario games, and Super Mario Maker Two has come. Uh, did you have any thoughts on Super Mario Maker Two, or just it's a thing? Well, I mean, when, whenever I looked at Super Mario Maker One, it just looked very limited. And like yes, in, in ways it was just yes. like bad for a sixty dollar game. Uh, that when there's you know obviously everyone else can make Mario levels too. Yes, there's a lot of like, mods. free Mario mods. Yeah, and, yeah. and um, that's true. Because like the first game, you got four art styles, which is like I t- can't list them. Uh, Super Mario Three somewhere in there, and then. You could make, like, rectangular shapes in your levels, and there was no gradients or, like, slopes or anything, or any of the interesting, like, mm-hmm. level design things from New Super Mario Brothers, which are, like, the only good things from New Super Mario Brothers that is the more inventive levels. Um, right. And, and they didn't... You could have a water level, but you couldn't have, like, a, le- a water level, like a, like a line across the screen that is the surface of the water. You couldn't jump into and out of water it had to be all water or no water because that's true yeah there was a lot they didn't even have a wii u limitation that's just like they didn't finish the game the first time yeah no yeah it wasn't i don't think there was anything about super mario that was a technical limitation i think it was a time limitation more so than anything or they just didn't do it uh or think about doing it and uh, uh one of the things that people were asking for quite a lot uh was slopes because that was like a big part of super mario world and even super mario 3 for some levels it was like hey use the slope to do some cool stuff like that was kind of cool but now they've added it which it seems weird to be excited about you can now put slopes in your mario maker levels but hey the trailer the trailer tried to make a big thing and it's like oh let's change the stair steps area to slope it's like you did it. Cool. You know what? Well, Every I mean, like what I'm saying, it's kind of a big... slopes. That was like immediate. Like everyone was like, "Why can't you put slopes in Mario Maker?" Like I remember that being like the big thing is like, "Why doesn't you? Why can't you do this?" So that obviously, they, I think that I'm not sure I, that, that they should have made such a big deal about it. Like maybe like take a good three mountains off of what they like. Showing the first one is fine. The next, like, three or four, 
<laughs> a little unnecessary. It's, it's like EA coming out like, like, we listen to the fans. We're making Battlefront 2 with a single player and like space battles or whatever. Right. Right. But, I mean, they didn't say that. They were just like, here it is. Um, they, I guess they showed some new enemy types. I wouldn't know. Um, the only thing, it, well, they kind of added in some Super Mario 3D World stuff. Yeah, that's the uh, new like uh, the theme suit. and the art style. Is it an actual theme? Yeah, they showed backgrounds that were like that's 3D. that's what I was going to say. Yes, I don't... And like had oh, big vine okay. structures and were more interesting than all the other stuff, basically. Sure. I was like, I know that they did the new Super Mario Brothers style, which is kind of that. Um, but like... Yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't know. I kind of felt like that wasn't a new theme. Maybe it was just so close to the new Super Mario Bros. theme that <laughs> I didn't no, notice. No, because the thing with Mario Maker or Wii U um, was that it was all like locked to 2D. So even the 2.5D new Super Mario Brothers stuff was like, there was no depth to it. It was just like a 2D uh, facade. Uh, there mm-hmm. was some 3D animated models, but... Um, with, with the, the the with, with the three th- D world uh, style in New Super Mario Brothers two, this is a tongue twister. Um, you can kind of see depth. Yeah. So like, if you're going past a platform and there's sure. like a infinite uh, pit, uh, you'll see like the side yeah. of the of the previous platform you were on, kind of panning out. Uh, you know, like you see three D in real life. Yeah. So that's okay. kind of nice, is that it doesn't look so limited. Flat. <laughs> yeah. I, I've i always liked... I mean, like I said, I, I loved the first one. I'm going to get this one. I think this is the only thing that popped up that I was like... Aside from Mortal Kombat. I mean, I've been talking about Mortal Kombat here for a little while. Um, but aside from that, I think Mario Maker 2 is the only thing that I'm like, yes, I'm buying this. Like, I'm doing it. Uh, and that's June. It's dropping like either right before, during, or after E3. It's like right in the E3 time span. So yeah, they did, they cool, did say June. That's interesting. Not many games uh, hazard that right. minefield. <laughs> yes, um, but Nintendo does it all the time. They did it with Splatoon. They did it with uh, what else? They do it with. Arms. Did they do it tennis last year. Mario tennis or. I think it was Mario Tennis they did that with the last year. Um, hey, hey, Fortune. Yeah. Arms. <laughs> arms. Yeah, I, I like I liked Arms for a good hot minute, and then I sold it because I was done. <laughs> but it's interesting, like announcing Super Mario Maker Two as a sequel, uh, sure. because they're just not making two D Mario games anymore. They're making two D other mm-hmm. games, but the two D Mario games now are level creators and the 2d zelda games are all remakes now so <laughs> yeah. cool i guess <laughs> well i mean yeah as much as we, we we as a as a gaming community whole crap on remakes a lot of the time nintendo's pretty bad at doing that and the nintendo kind of gets a pass for most people <laughs> but then again i mean like yeah, we'll 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 yeah we'll get into the Zelda one. <laughs> it's just interesting to see the trajectory they're taking. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the, so the next thing that uh, that was interesting, uh, Haru, I think you were more interested was Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, the 
Castlevania spiritual sequel, I guess. Yeah, I think they had a new trailer for it, or I don't know, they might have seen it if you're a Kickstarter backer already. But uh, it, it, just, it just looked a lot more finished uh, than it has in any point sure, before, yeah. and it better, because apparently it's coming out in the summer. Um, yeah. But there was like a lot of different enemies and attacks, and they showed these cool, speaking of 3D, these, these cool, like, uh, you could like circumambulate a like tower and and it was like uh it's a side scroller scrolling game right but as you're going from left right. to right it's like rotating around this uh, circular tower and the stage is oh, kind of so kinda receding like, and rising so it's kind of like doing the old super nintendo mode 7 stuff or it just sort of spins take your word for that <laughs> i think that's what mode, i don't have no idea what mode 7 is personally uh, so mode seven is oh gosh, uh, what was a big game that used it other than Castlevania? <laughs> Just use Castlevania. That's, what we're, that's the clearest analog. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, so Castlevania had this thing. So like there was levels where the background just sort of sp- rotates rather than it's like pseudo three D. It's not 3D. It makes it look like you're in a 3D space, but they're basically just rotating a picture kind of stretched over a 3D plane. It's weird, but um, that's kind of... It's kind of... it's To me, it sounds like an homage to that. Uh, I can't think of any game in particular that really utilized it uh, more than Castlevania, just because I've seen Game Grumps play through it, because I never played the old Castlevanias. Um, I don't think I've ever played a Castlevania. Yeah, I've never played a Castlevania. I guess neither have I, <laughs> but I'm interested in that. Uh, anyway, right. the other thing about Bloodstained was they had uh, this like gravity power, so you could uh, reverse gravity like uh, in the in the 2D sense, like you yeah. change up to down and down to up. Uh, yeah. You could use that to like like midair. You could do that. It wasn't like a switch in the environment. It was like a power you had, so you could probably do some fun emergent things with that and like comboing or messing with enemies. Oh, I'm sure that's something you get later on. I bet. Like, it's like a later on thing. So it's like, oh, I can't get up there as per more, you know, Metroidvania style. Oh, I need the flip power to get up there. Talk about the inverted castle. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah, they showed a character creator that looked kind of bad. Because you're just kind of turning this <laughs> character that's very clearly concepted, and like this is the intentional canon character, and you like paint your skin just like a flat tone of green, like just a normal swatch. Turn it. It's like turn her into one of those. Uh, you ever see those? Well, I mean, you don't have young daughters like I do, but those monster girls or Monster High or whatever. It's like vampire girl and zombie girl. It's like literally reminded me of that. <laughs> huh. Monster High, I think. That's <laughs> so weird. Anyways. But yeah. Is that yeah, an anime torch one? Are you speaking of an anime? Is Monster High an anime? I have no I idea. I see it. I see toys of it. That's it. Like Yeah, I don't know. I don't know cuz I don't know animes. I don't know the animes as they, as as some people say. I just like a few. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else to say, Blood, Bloodstained? I don't really have a lot of thoughts on it other than, hey, I thought it was the, the side game they talked about releasing earlier until this conversation where it actually is Bloodstained. I was like, oh, yeah, it actually is the full game. <laughs> That's how much that I didn't expect it to the be moon, the full game. 
this yes. one is Ritual of the Night. Freaking Castlevania naming conventions. The titles all sound approximate. Um, but you want to talk about Oninaki. Oninaki. Right. And not necessarily because I'm like, oh, I'm super excited for uh, Oninaki, which is um, the RPG factory game uh, of Square Enix. Only because I, I'm interested in playing it, although I think it was about this game in particular, Haru, you were like, uh, the, the Nintendo announcer goes a little like, in a world where demons rule. <laughs> no, I, I buy like, that for this game. Very... I don't buy that for like the freaking uh, phone games. The... <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, or, or, or you have to do violence to gems. You have to crush the life out of candy. <laughs> In a world where candy needs crushed, you are the crushinator. <laughs> oh man! But uh, the Onidaki is the uh, uh, RPG factory, and I again, I'm not like a big JRPG fan. Uh, I kind of like some Final Fantasies. I just I'm like, well, I like tactics, and I liked Seven at the time. It's been like a thing that I've been realizing about myself. I love Yoshi games at that time in my life like i don't love them now so um it's been kind of like eh, you know i'm not very keen on turn turn-based rpgs anymore um but uh i am setsuna i didn't particularly like the battle style uh it was okay it was bearable it was better than most i would say but then we did that episode uh it was the episode before you joined haru which was octopath traveler um that's the same kind of style of rpg they mix up the fighting style quite a bit but i love that game so i've been kind of like easing more into that world um a lot of people keep saying like hey you know you should go play chrono trigger or chrono cross or you know like all these other classic rpgs that, that i just never cared to i don't think i'm gonna do that but all that tangentially just to say I really liked I Am Setsuna, which was made by these people. So I would probably pick up the Lost Sphere whatever game before this, before I, before I played this one. Um, just because I, I want to see sort of the progression. Well, it looks like I they liked, changed I, to an action-based system with Anunnaki. Sure. Yeah, and uh, but the reason why I liked I Am Setsuna wasn't because of the battle style. It was because of the kind of cool thing they did with storytelling, in a way. Um so I'm just going to spoil it here. Uh, I, I got it like pretty close after the Switch came out. They, they they released it, and I bought it for like $30, which I felt was like way too much. But there wasn't a lot on the Switch at the time that I was interested in, so I just bought it. Um, maybe it's 40 I think I was like, this is ridiculously high, but I don't have a choice, so I'm just going to do it. Um, but like, anyways, like I played the game, and I was like, okay, I'm not really a big fan of the battle style, but whatever. But they did something with the story that was, like, unique, I feel. And that's kind of what I like in game stories. It's, like, actually sort of not just be some sort of cookie-cutter, oh, the kingdom's in trouble crap. Like, actually kind of do something with it. And one of the things they did is, you know, like, all these games talk about, like, choice, right? The choices you make affect your decisions. I mean, like, that's basically Bioware, the company. <laughs> That's what they do, right? Like, oh, you know, your games are different. But ultimately, you know, like, they can only do so much with that sort of decision tree logic. Um, 
and it's sort of like a lot of uh, old RPGs sort of like tried to play with that idea. Well, I am Setsuna goes so hard the other way, but masks it as your choices matter. So like, um, I'll just uh, it's spoilers by the way, but by am Setsuna basically Setsuna is supposed to be a sacrifice. She goes to this place in the world, kills herself because she's the chosen one to do this, so the world isn't destroyed. And I'm like, okay, kind of a weird concept, but sure. So you are some guy that's basically hired as like a hired hand to go kill her before she can do it, and you end up joining her to help her anyways, which, I don't know. Because you're very bad at your job, got it. Very, very bad. So in the beginning of the game, very beginning of the game, you are given a choice whether to carry out your task and kill Setsuna or not. (laughs) The Far Cry 4 uh, Um, intro. Right, this is like very, very beginning of the game, like five minutes in or something like that. Like, and I chose because I'm playing my character to kill Setsuna. You do not kill Setsuna. It's like some convoluted DM railroading you kind of thing. Like, no, it doesn't, like, blah, blah, blah. blah. It's like, oh, that's crap. So, like, but then you, like, you make all these decisions throughout the game and you realize, like, no matter what you pick, it basically just changed how people react. The same thing just happens. Oh, so it's the and Zelda like, choice wheel. Right, but here's the thing. The whole game is sort of like narratively telling you, you don't have a choice. Like, it's like all the stuff in the game is telling you, this is what's happening. And I thought it was kind of cool to be like so overt. Not like overt is like, oh, you know, no player choice or whatever. It's like, no. It's a game about fate and destiny and that kind of stuff. And you can't change that. No matter what you do, you're like, not saying I agree with that philosophy, but it was an interesting way to sort of like really drive the point home. So much to the fact that like at the end, they give you that same choice to kill her, let her be a sacrifice or don't. And they, they, she does kill her. You do kill her no matter what you pick. Or something like that, but some convoluted thing happens, and basically she doesn't die. But like, basically, no matter what you did, it didn't matter. It was still going to happen. I think no, I think she actually did die, or something like that. But it, spoilers? It ends, it's weird because it is spoilers. I said it was going to be spoilers. We like, don't know I, if I it's the right spoilers. <laughs> we don't know, but yeah. So basically, whatever I picked, I finished the game, and I was like dude i have to talk about this with someone no one else like maybe i'm just crazy but no one else saw the themes i was seeing throughout the game to see that and i was like that played it uh, of my friends and they're like no it was just kind of stupid they didn't like it just did whatever i'm like but that's the point like it was trying to tell you no this is going to happen the whole time like the whole game like setsuna herself reminds you i'm here to die like don't get attached to me kind of stuff like just to the character and you're like but but <laughs> but tropes say we have to fall in love <laughs> oh it's just funny but anyways yeah it's just i thought it was really cool so i wanted to try lost fear because i wanted to see those kind of cool things they were doing with it and then i never got around to it now they're coming up with a new game which seems like it might do some so, cool stuff um i mean just looking at did did did, did uh, 
Setsuna have voice acting in it at all? Did what? Did I Am Setsuna have voice acting? There's a voice acting, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Because, well, I don't know, it's just, looking at those two previous games, whenever I saw the trailers, like, wow, I'm really disinterested in this, because it just seems like it's such a nostalgia appeal, and it's not oh, it a is. very well-made game, because the graphics and the gameplay just look very... Uh, oh yeah, RPG factory. No, I, th- I thought that when it was an. <laughs> yes, and that's literally they are there to make those old style games for nostalgia reasons. They're just trying to do something new with it at the same time, like narratively and somewhat with mechanics. So like, it's really weird because like they are there to do nostalgia. Like that is like that team's thing. And I was like, I know. And for stuff I don't have nostalgia for you too. Well, they don't like, really, I don't, it's just the problem is they don't really seem like that experience of a developer and like even the action system that they're going to now going to with Oninaki looks kind of rudimentary mm-hmm. and it looks kind of MOBA ish. Like all that kind of isometric forgettable. Right. Um, now, and like I, I, I will say, I, I was <laughs> okay. You go. I'm not a person that cares about the story of the game a lot of the time. This has been a thing. Like we talked about, like uh, you know, like uh yeah, I just don't really care. For some reason, I care. Like I, they kind of made me care about the story with I Am Setsuna because of what they did with it or that I felt was unique, and that's why I would be interested in playing it. Everything you're saying about Oninaki and how it looks really weird and that kind of stuff is entirely valid. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that about Oninaki. And I would agree with you. Uh, I'm talking about oh, the previous I, two I games. Since... Uh, right. Just, just like the graphics uh, and just like the the modeling and the combat, like the actual construction of the game just doesn't look very notable. Um, but with Oninaki, I kind right. of like the art style they're going for. Like it looks like it has a visual identity to me where the previous like lost sphere it's kind of like this kind of washed out color and you have the title with like the white background it's like things are fading away it's like yeah but (laughs) we're forgetting (laughs) everything it's not very pulled i think it's supposed to be set in the same universe too which is weird marvel cinematic universe i don't know rpg factory but um, the, the premise of Oninaki sounded, sounded interesting, like, you know, the whole departed sure. spirits and the, you know, that whole classic gimmick of all these old games of switching between the light world and the dark world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, my concern is just, I'm... well, it's twofold. It's one, the combat system looks really rudimentary, even for like a, even if they're trying to do something new with it compared to what, what they've done. And it's also coming out in summer this year. Uh, whereas the yeah. past, when, when did Lost Sphere come out? Uh, I want to say sometime last year or the year before. It came out October 12th, 2017. So fast forward, can you fast forward oh two gosh. years? That's a year and yeah. a half development cycle. So it's, it's crap. It's like they're farming it out. It's, it's probably going to be like a short game or <laughs> a limited game or it's, it's, it's just not a triple Maybe. A game is the thing. No, and they're not meant to be. They're, that studio me- is not meant to be AAA. They actually reduced the budget for that studio. It's supposed to be a lower budget thing. Sure, but, but it's published by Square Enix. This is also true. Yes. <laughs> so, like, why would you I, I why would you buy this when you could buy like a Final Fantasy game? I don't know. All I know is I enjoyed the first one. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. 
Uh, yeah, like I can't, I can't, I can't argue with you because you're totally right. It sounds like a very short development cycle. It is not a big budget game. That's in fact the entire point of that studio. I think one of the things um, they're trying to do is like games are expensive to make, like especially AAA games. Like the highest end quality graphics are super expensive. You know, not let alone just like doing that but just like the all the people on the teams working on the games like how many how long did it take like final fantasy 15 to come out it was like well they say, like, it 10 was years? 10 years but that wasn't all active development because they developed 13 sure. in the middle, and like three two other 13 games right right yeah 13 two three um, lightning's return <laughs> <laughs> but mickey's uh, revenge yeah yeah reminds Reminds me of Ten Two. It was like the 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 girls' night out edition or whatever. But uh, <laughs> the the it was just like I don't know. It was just it's it's a lot of people working on fifteen. You know what I mean? And it's a lot of money over a long period of time. So like their idea of like let's find a way to release a game for profit, obviously with a lower budget. So. That's kind of the way that it was explained when they talked about the studio a couple times. So, like, I, it makes sense to sort of circumvent the whole, uh, you know, like, graphics race of AAA. I mean, I understand, um, but, yeah. but, like, the, the, the reason, like, AAA games are, are, are risky. Uh, but the reason they yes. keep these companies, who are financially savvy, obviously, keep taking these risks is because they see a, a, a doubling return on investment. It takes, for example, the, is yeah. the movie industry, it takes like, what, $150 million to make Frozen? But if you make a billion dollars off of the movie, <laughs> off of ticket sales... <laughs> yeah, that's that's a drop in the bucket, then you've, yeah. That's uh, times 10, basically. Yes, yeah. <laughs> money makes money. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm just remembering the, the awesome Frozen 2 discussion on the Discord. <laughs> little context for you listeners i i just checked into discord one time and there's just like all this excitement over the frozen 2 trailer by everybody <laughs> it was just like wow these are my kind of people <laughs> i'm so excited I'm just, honestly just, just make a fantasy oh, thing man. and i will be there um but that, that's the thing right it's like um if you look at something like Skyrim or Fallout 4, obviously that's a pretty singular example. Uh, sure, yeah. Because their sales are so high. But there is a difference. Diff- right, but they made the money back at the insanely big budgets, yeah. Yeah, but th- there's a difference. Like, people see a difference between Skyrim and, like, you take three years to make this game, and, like, it's very right. broad, and it's got a lot of new options, and a lot of... It's, it's like, very bespoke, and it's got a lot of, just, like, a lot of content to it. Mm-hmm. Aside from the multitude of glitches that was in Skyrim, it was a pretty polished game. Like you know, when it was working. I mean, um, yeah, there, there very... was there was a lot of effort put into that experience. Just like the just yes. even just the RPG systems, like equipping armors, like they three D rendered all of the armor when it's unequipped and when it's equipped, and you can see in your inventory. Yeah. And... But like compare that to something like yeah. Fallout seventy six, didn't do so well because it was a lower lower investment thing that and the it studio... was reskinned from four and it had the same bugs yeah it was yeah it, was it wasn't mess. even re 
and it was reusing assets from four, and the whole combat system was the same because right they're transparently working on Starfield, and this was like a stopgap kind of release. But that, that it's yeah. probably not worth their time in the long run because it's uh they they don't see the same return on investment that they would from a Fallout Four or a like a new sure. numbered entry essentially. Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, yeah, and like I like Bethesda a lot of the time, but all I'm really excited about from them right now, which isn't really from them, it's not Bethesda Studios, it's ID or ID, uh, which is the new Doom. Is that is that this year? <laughs> but you guys already know that. Doom Eternal. Yeah, supposedly. Unless it gets delayed. Um, <laughs> supposedly, yes. I don't know when, but yes. Um, um I hope. You know another game that's this year for Tron? Tetris 99. Are you talking about the next game on our list? Tetris 99? Gosh. Yes. Out now. (laughs) You can play Tetris with 99 people. Or or no, 98 people. I don't think... (laughs) It's... It's really weird when you say 99. But anyways, with 98 other people, you can play Tetris simultaneously online uh, by eliminating eliminating each other one by one and picking up various guns. Oh, wait, no, that's um, <laughs> that's every other Battle Royale game. Tetris Battle Royale. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they did it. <laughs> Put on your power glove and sit down for some wholesome classic competitive oh gaming with the new advent of battle I, royale i might do this only because it's funny i hate tetris i don't hate it okay i'm not good at it but i don't like playing it against other people because they are so much better than me i swear if i just taught my four-year-old how to play tetris she would probably beat me i just i'm not good <laughs> uh and so like oh man like it's just so funny to me it's like hey remember that battle royale craze we thought was going to happen is sort of his happening like now it's coming to tetris like what What do you mean sort of is there's like at least 30 battle royale games well okay maybe not 30 no literally literally there's like like so many people are trying to copy that for money right right however however it, there's a couple game series that didn't do it, and a lot of people were expecting, like uh, Battlefield, uh, because Call of Duty was doing it. They expected Battlefield too, and they didn't. Wait, no, no, it, um, it's just not out yet. It just didn't launch with the game. They're doing their Firestorm, or whatever. No, are they? Announced they? That there's a trailer. Oh, it's everything. Oh, never mind. I'm wrong. I'm just plain wrong. Everyone's doing it. Like uh, EA, what Titanfall do you people. They made a mobile. Right. They bought a mobile game and they made Plants vs Zombies into a freaking military shooter. I mean, that was funny though. Garden Warfare, a little bit was funny, but it's such a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, the game literally is a joke. Yes, uh, but the <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just thought this was funny because it's like, hey, did you want that new flashy battle royale game from you know, like uh, what is it? Infinity Ward that did, <laughs> that did like the like what was the thing I can't remember the name of it but it's the Titanfall universe like battle royale game it dropped this week and it's like doing super well and it's like here's Nintendo's response oh, 
Tetris. Tetris. <laughs> Tetris is a good game. It's I Apex think it's still technically the Legends. best-selling game. Yes. Vertices Chronology. Yes. These fucking video game titles, man. It's just... <laughs> Vernacular oh, dude, gibberish. This one's a doozy for Battle Royale stuff. So it's got not the same, but kind of like a like a fast movement system like Titanfall, which is why why I like Titanfall as a shooter. But then it also has uh, stuff from the hero shooter genre, from like Overwatch and that kind of... Remember, that was like a, a craze for a little while too, like Paladins and like and all Call that of stuff. Duty, like yeah. Hero shoot. yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, Call of Duty did it too, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> they so copy like, everything. <laughs> They do, they do, except for zombies. Because no, they totally copied that too. Except they just became more successful than everyone else. Few things about zombies in history. Ugh. Yeah. Oh man, but like, it's just, it's just funny. It's just so funny to me that like Tetris ninety nine. It's like, I, I don't. It was so out of left field, and like the way they announced it, it's like, hey, you can play Tetris with ninety nine people. It's like what? <laughs> So so ridiculous. <laughs> oh man, but that's all I had to say about it. <laughs> it's just I don't know, like it's dangerous. I don't. What else do you want me to say? <laughs> oh, I man. don't want you to say anything, Porchuan, because there's another game that was announced at the Nintendo Direct, and it's Astral Chain. Animu the Beyblade. Apex Vertices <laughs> video game title. <laughs> um, so this is a new. Uh, Astral Chain, I think, is the one we're talking about, right? Yes. Uh, This is a new um, uh, cyberpunk melee action cop drama by Platinum Games. Yes, I'm interested. If you've ever... I do like Platinum Games, so I might check this one out, but I wasn't, like, over the moon about it. If you've ever seen a screenshot of the anime Psychopaths, it's that. It's just that. Um... You know what? I've heard of Psychopaths, never watched it. I don't think I'm interested. <laughs> Although I am interested in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's like cyberpunk. Like the society is like idyllic, but not. It's like futuristic, but like kind of sh- shitty at the same time. And everyone has glowy right. blue future guns and like. Uh, so the gimmick of this. Okay, seems so to be... yes, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. The gimmick of this. It sounds very similar. Seems to be that like uh, like near Automata Platinum did it had you had your little drone that you could float on you could shoot from constantly. Um, right. And in this game you have a friendship bracelet that is also a digital bracelet and uh, the friendship you have with this bracelet is with a robot that comes out of the bracelet and it hits things with you because uh, what are else are friends for? <laughs> because. That's what friends are for, beating up bad guys. <laughs> um, I kind of got confused by this trailer, uh, only a little bit though, because like, I kind of thought that like the girl. So there's like a guy and a girl cop. Like I kind of thought that they were sort of the buddy cop thing going on, and they're like, no, it's a, it's like a cop and his robot that turns into a wolf that also turns into a, like. A humanoid mech thing. That's like, right. You do get to like it transforms into a wolf, and you can like ride it around and do attacks. I think. Right. Like. I don't. What is it about wolves and like humanoid mechs and that kind of like? I, is it like anytime there's a mech, it's like, 
there's wolf mode and there's like human mode or there's like wolf mech and human mech. Cause like it reminds me of what was the what was the crap that was that showing Zoids. Freaking like kid anime like why is like wolves like the most powerful being in existence that every robot turns into? Do you mean Metal Wolf Chaos? The I don't know. I think that's a game. I never watched Zoids. That should be a game. No, no, no. Metal Wolf Chaos is like its own IP. Um, oh, okay. Chaos, something like that. Um, a- anyway, it looks like you have like a lot of different uh, moves in this game. Definitely looks like you're sure. playing a set character, even it though does. it's sort of a generic thing. Maybe you'll get like a, a male-female protag choice, uh, like some Bethesda games give you. Yeah, that's kind of what it looks like to me. And you get like combos that like combo with your uh, wolf partner, but it's not like strictly an AI companion. It looks like you have some control over their combos as well, or you can like uh, trigger uh, 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 combination attacks or something like that. Right. I hope they don't try to do like what they did with like mighty number nine. I love mighty number nine, but like controlling multiple things at once is not the most intuitive thing for like a fighting like a like a fighting game like that like bayonetta style stuff so we'll see <laughs> um but yeah it looked cool like you could pull out like a bow out of your wristwatch and, and yes. there's like an energy bow and you could shoot it and there's like yeah what were the enemies like there was these giant like demon robot things they were kind of fleshy were you fighting like humans to be honest, too I really thought it was Warframe at first. I, like <laughs> the first one looks like a Warframe, and I was like, "Is this like a new update to Warframe? Like, what is going on? Why do they look like? Oh, it's not Warframe. Okay." <laughs> um, I, that was my confusion. I was confused too. Actually, I thought it was. I was sure this was like a new IP from the um, from the Xenoblade people. Uh, Metro, mm-hmm. no, no. Monolith Software develops Shadow of Mordor. Monolith Soft develops yes. those cyber RPG thingies. And right. I was so disenthused because uh, I hate their storytelling in combat. Uh, but the combat's obviously not that. It's just the faces. Like, the character models look like Xenobig Chronicles X. And that kind of, like, mm. you know, kind of porcelain doll-looking... Right. Japanese people. Yeah, and that makes sense because I was going to say the whole buddy cop robot thing reminds me of Xenoblade Chronicles with your buddy weapon. Yeah, it's got robots and all that jazz. Yeah. It seems to be the only uniting I don't know. <laughs> uniting continuity between the Xenoblade games. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. It looked cool and then it didn't and then it did. Like I don't I'm up in the air. <laughs> so what? Like, I wasn't like, hey, let's go buy it. Like I said, the only one I'm like, yes, let's get it. It's Super Mario Maker. Yeah, the graphics are kind of dingy. Uh, like, the skybox is like a, like a real thick haze of a certain cyberpunky color on it. And right. there's sort of like an open, not open world. There's sort of like a walk around part of the game. Platinum doesn't make open world mm-hmm. games. I mean, let's count near. Yeah. That... So, so it's probably like level based kind of yep. thing, like a hub world or something. Right, they make stages, you know, like, I mean, it's, like, playing Bayonetta reminded me of, like, a 3D version of, like, Disney's Aladdin, 
It's like, here's the level, here's the path to go through the level, there you go. Or like Jet Force Gemini is probably a better example. It's like, here's the level, here's the path to go through the level, you're done. You gotta do these X fights the way through. It's very linear. Doesn't mean it's bad, it's just what it is. Um, I mean, Wonderful 101 was the same way. So, like, it kind of seems like they're trying to do an open world thing with that trailer. Although it was really only two or three shots that made it seem like that. Well, at and least again, a free roam, not a not an open world. But right, yeah. I'm more excited for it for that fact because like open world games are always sort of listless. Um, right. What I am worried about with this hmm. game is what there's a rumor that Platinum was making three exclusives for Nintendo Switch, and they've already yes. announced Bayonetta three. This one, obviously. But this is coming out before Bayonetta yeah. three. And the last game they released was, like, in 2017. So, mm -hmm. I guess this could have had, like, two years of development. Maybe. But it just, it just yeah, seems like Platinum makes a lot of games. Like, when they were making all those tie-in games with Activision, they, they were all pretty crap. Um, Alright. Okay. I don't... I don't know. Like, I have not really played a Platinum game that I felt was... No, that's not true. The Transformers one they did, I wasn't too keen on. Yeah, it was Korra, Transformers, and Ninja Turtles. Right, yeah, those three. And they're also... Supposedly didn't do too. They just announced that uh, Babylon's Fall with, like, a 2D trailer. They haven't shown any gameplay yet. But they're also making that... In... <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a lot to do. Like a lot, a lot. Oh boy. Yeah. Now you got me worried. Thanks, Haru. Because if you look at Wikipedia for Platinum Games, they've made a, released a game annualized since 2012. So like, if they could just oh, like boy. take a breath, and obviously they can't because it's, I guess, okay, they didn't release one in 2018. But I feel like they're just being financially compelled to release game after game after game, and. Sure. The quality is suffering because they yeah. can't focus on a single project with their whole. They're not the biggest studio in the world. Well, I mean, yeah, I th I think quality definitely suffered on some of those games. I don't think it suffered for Bayonetta. Um, maybe that's what they do. <laughs> maybe they just let some of the other projects go by the wayside, and some of the projects are like, "Nope, we're gonna make this one right. So we're gonna take longer on this, but we're, meanwhile, we're gonna release smaller pro projects to keep development going on this one." It's a it's a rough line to walk, but I guess that might be what's happening. I mean, just like if you think about it, the studio's history at Capcom, uh, they or like some of the studio made Okami. Okami was a long game, mm -hmm. like a really quality long right. game. And I don't, I just don't see the way that they can make that uh, with with their current model, which is kind of sure disappointing. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it does have something has to go to to be at that kind of pace. I get what you're saying. I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess we'll wait and see. So yeah, I don't. Astral Chain looks si sort of interesting, but so don't not like do what? I was just gonna say, don't sleep on Astral Chain, but you know, in the new day, if you have to sort of come to an awakening you could play <laughs> Link's Awakening Link's Awakening 
Right. So the uh, the last game was revealed in the direct, and I didn't. Uh, I never played this because apparently it's a remake of a GBA. So not not GBA, just Game Boy, uh, just a Game Boy game, um, which. I had a Game Boy, but I played Tetris and I played Galaga on it. And then I got a Game Boy Pocket and I played nothing but Pokemon on it. Like, <laughs> like I don't so know. This is, color, color. This is ostensibly the next 2D Zelda game uh, after A Link yes. Between Worlds, which is 2013. That came out in... so six mm-hmm. years ago. And it's coming out this year. Um, yes. Link Awakening. Link's Awakening is like the weird 2D Zelda that had like side-scrolling levels, but wasn't uh, the Link's Adventure or the Adventure of Link. Uh, mm-hmm. And it had like Mario enemies and jumping because reasons. I think that was in the original game. Like I'm pretty sure. No, yeah, no, I'm talking about the original Goombas game. And the... Right. Okay. You can get it on, like, 3DS Sorry, Virtual I'm, Console yeah. right now, if you don't want to wait. <laughs> I don't know. There seem to be a lot of people excited about this, is why I want to mention it. Like, I wasn't, but, like, I had some friends that were like, no way! And then, like, I had some people say, like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. Now, for me, I kind of like the art style. Uh, you did not seem like a fan. I... But I wasn't like, oh yeah, this is great looking. I was like, ah, oh, it looks cute. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I saw a lot of people who were like, this is going to be awesome. And then I saw some feedback that was like, oh, but that art style. And I'm like, I don't know. It looks fine to me. I mean, it's just... So I'm kind of... Like, I've never had an affinity for the Phantom Hourglass, the DS Zeldas that were 2.5D, or... Uh, I guess Triforce Heroes and A Link Between Worlds, the 3DS games, they're right. sort of like grody, sort of... There's something with the modeling, I just don't like it. Um, and with this new... Well, they're trying to emulate the Link to the Past kind of thing, where, you know, it's it's top-down, but it looks like it's from the side. They're just trying to make that look more modern, I would assume. Okay, yeah. Because it plays like a top-down game. Just like the enemy designs are kind of... Kind of... Nor- I guess it's sort of like quasi-remake, the last one was. So the enemy designs, they're using like outdated art art designs and concepts. But sure. it's just... <laughs> they just look really doofy. These like little uh, curlicue, like, moblins and these... Uh, kind of... Just like shiny, circular, spherical, like Octorax. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, with Link's Awakening, I don't. I just like I don't have a lot of context for Link's Awakening again because like my first Zelda was Ocarina of Time, so it was like way past this. (laughs) Same. Um. With this new game, it's it's just. Uh, it looks sort of, the art style is sort of like candy-like or very plasticky, and there's like very high contrast lighting, so it looks fake. It's like another Nintendo game that looks like arts and crafts. Like, it doesn't look like a universe, it looks like it's like a facade. 
or like a, a construction of something. Right. You, you know what it reminds me of is that, do you remember that Pokemon game where they had like toy Pokemon fighting each yes. other? Yes. Uh, I don't know what it was. It was like a Wii virtual console thing. Yeah, or like Wii U or something. Like maybe there's a sequel on the Wii U. Pokemon like, Ranch, like, was it? No, it wasn't like maybe I don't know, but it was weird. Um, it's not the Dungeon series. It's not Pokemon Dungeon. I know that, um, but it's like Pokemon Pop or something like that. It's like literally just like toys. Oh, Pokemon, Pokemon Rumble, you mean? Yes, yeah. This is like whoa. Like it kind of reminded me of that, where it's sort of like it's got this bouncy, like you're playing with a toy kind of look. And I mean, it's got smoother animations than that, but like. I don't know, the plasticky look that you're talking about reminded me of That's that. exactly true, because even, like, the furry Pokemon... Furry... The Pokemon with fur in Pokemon Rumble, they have this kind of, like, sheen on them, as if they were just plastic, like the, like the art style. Like the anime art style right. implies. And that just looks sort of chintzy, I think. And, sure. like, the 3D modeling uh-huh. on Link's Awakening looks very crude. Doesn't look like... I mean, it almost looks worse than the 3DS games, I want to say. Um, okay. I don't have a, a good context that I didn't play them. And, and just, I mean, my 3DS was a Monster Hunter machine, so... Same, yeah. But the last thing is just the... Just even with simple details, like, they have Goombas side-scrolling across the screen, but they don't have an idle animation like any of the new Super Mario Brothers games, so they're just sort of, like, staring at the screen, <laughs> staring out at you. <laughs> it's like you player kill me please <laughs> it just doesn't look like there's been a lot of care taken uh, I don't know sure I don't have the context to agree with you or disagree with you <laughs> so I have to be like okay like <laughs> I don't yeah, I never I never got into the 2D Zeldas I tried uh, what ended up happening is a friend of mine who was a bigger Zelda fan just came over hung out one time uh, for like five hours, he just came and visited and beat Le- Link to Link to the Past while we were just sitting there talking. <laughs> just let him play it, like, because that's that's how I experienced most of the Link uh, Link to the Past. So like, I don't have a big affinity for 2D Zelda to begin with, and this coming out, it's like, oh cool, like everyone else is excited, and I'm like, eh. So like, a lot of my friends asked me about the direct. It was like, well, what'd you think? And I was like, eh. It was okay. There's a couple things I liked, but most of all, excited for Mario Maker. <laughs> like, that's it. And they didn't even mention Mario Maker. They were all uh, excited about Astral Chain and uh, what's the other big anime game? Something. As- Dragon Quest? X. Oh, yeah. They talk about Dragon Quest. I forgot about that. Um, oh, Fire Emblem. Uh, no, the. No, there's the one in the mechs where you have to fight the giant mech. Wait, you mean uh, it's like Damon X Machina? Damon X, yeah, with an X. Damon X Machina, and like that one, they're all like, "Oh yeah, I want to go play that," and I'm like, also misleadingly not made by the Xenoblade no. people. <laughs> right. Mechs, but not that mech studio. Yeah, yeah, not like X is used in a lot of games, anyways, right? Mega Man X, Monster Hunter Double Cross. <laughs> All right. <Anyway. laughs> so yeah, I I think that's about how I felt about the direct. How did you feel overall, 
Or are you just kind of like, eh? <laughs> yeah, I thought Mario Maker looked like enough of an improvement to actually be worth $60, maybe. Uh, we'll see. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I was kind of interested in a couple of games here and there. Uh, Astral Chain seems like the only thing that I would really like. I'm a rather discerning person. Uh, but Oh yeah, and Bloodstained right. looked uh, promising, but of course that's not made by Nintendo. Um, sure, but it was in the direct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Along with that Disney, why <laughs> that Disney, like, uh, like f- profile f- uh, phone game thing. <laughs> what? Yeah, the 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 little toy thing, like the Disney toys. Sure. I don't know what they're they're called, but I bought not a Disney one, but there's like ones for like different animals. Uh, I bought one for each of my daughters. And they, they loved them for a little while. Uh, you know what they're called? Like had, it's called a paycheck from Disney. Con- <laughs> <laughs> no, Put it next to Mario Maker. Like, no, there's. <laughs> oh jeez. Okay, so. <laughs> Um, so we wanted to get to like our, our sort of like uh, not newsy topic, just like a discussion topic, which is mundane versus fantastical. Um, so, Haru, I, I understand the concept. So what inspired you to talk about this, I guess? Well, just just to kind of be uh, prompt, mm-hmm. the, 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 the idea is like with fantasy universes, you have... The fantasy aspect of it, which is, like, not relatable in any real sense, like magic, or floating islands, or dragons and monsters, or etc., etc. And then you have the sort of baseline for the fantasy universe, which is, uh, you know, sort of like uh, European pastoral uh, medieval uh, landscapes. And, like, mm-hmm. a lot of the monsters, you'll have them based on myths or legends from the real world. So you kind of have some innate understanding. Sure. Uh, it's not totally alien, like uh, sci-fi yeah. would be. Yeah. And then, and then on top okay. of that, with the fantasy universe, you, you develop these sort of canons that carry on from Tolkien, like elves and orcs. Everyone knows what an elf is, an orc is. And, and dwarves, yeah. of course. Um, and, and you know that can spread out a little bit further wargs and trolls and yeah like a lot of stuff that has sort of been ingrained in pop culture for a little while now yeah and uh okay i, I just want to talk about like when you're trying to tell a story like what's a what's a good balance of uh like how slow should you ramp up from Fant- the like you're a farmer in in uh france to uh you're fighting the laser dragon on top of mount doom <laughs> well uh, so i I will say this i think uh in general like if you want to because like mundane stuff it it, is you're right it's it helps ground you it sort of gives you a baseline okay i can understand this whereas the fantasy is the more fun part but like if it breaks too far away it just becomes ridiculous and just funny or you know like even ridiculous and like just like all right i don't understand it i'm out like there's a there's a there definitely is like a, a sort of like a, a curve of like where you need to introduce that, uh, and like you'll see that like even in like games, like okay, 
Like at first, this is like okay, I'm getting used to it, and then they start going real crazy about the middle of the game and keep going. You know? Or if you're a platinum game, like we were discussing, like it goes way off the rails at the end, like way into fantasy. So it's most commonly like, seen with like the level progression, right? Like World One, World Two, right. World Eight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah, and Mario does that pretty well. Like Mario, it's like here's a sort of like normal like new england <laughs> forest and hills kind of stuff monster hunter did that the forest and hills and then eventually you're in a volcano like like it's you're definitely right there's sort of like a an introduction from mundane to fantasy uh i did want to like when you talked about like mundane versus uh fantastical uh specifically one thing popped up to my mind of like uh art uh, specifically, like uh, we've had, like just on the previous episode, we had Cosme or Aphelus, as some people know him. Uh, we had him on, and he does what I would call fantasy artwork, right? He does a lot of Monster Hunter. He does like fantastical landscapes with characters uh, and that kind of stuff. He does you know, a lot of, you know, fan art from different games where he has his own pieces. Um, but you know, they, they seem to mostly be about fantastical stuff. And that stuff is what interests me because you have what I would call mundane art. It's just stuff like um, Leonardo da Vinci's work. It's a classical <laughs> yeah, Like the art. classical art. Right. So it's like, and I've always hated that <laughs> stuff. And, you know, cause it's, and I'm not even kidding. Like uh, my mom is an art teacher we're gonna be real here and she's always loved that kind of stuff and i'm like she's we, we used to go to like art museums and my mom would be like so like oh, drawing a oh, drawing a landscape you don't right and it's just like okay there's this thing here it's like there's a field someone painted isn't that beautiful and i'm like it's a field can i just like go see that instead or take a picture like i mean like i I, I know that's not really respectful of the art, but like, I mean, it was like, I was like, what, 10 at the time I said this, but I still kind of had that mentality. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. You have great technical ability. That's what I kind of go with. <laughs> so when I, when I think of mundane versus fantastical, I think, I think fantastical is just to me, at least intrinsically, just more interesting. It's like, if I want to see a painting, I want to see something of Cosme's. I don't care about Leonardo. Leonardo may be the greatest artist in history or something, you know, one of the greats, but like, I would prefer Cosme. <laughs> um, see, I, I, I would prefer, disagree on that point hear, because yeah, I think, stuff. I think there are ways to make, uh, like a, a, a more relatable set, setting interesting and to right. have, a, have yes. a facade of normalcy that you can kind of understand and can kind of give it into if you're like, if this is your first fantasy, uh, media game, whatever you've ever played or watched. But you can also, like, make subtler hints that, like, uh, subvert your expectations. Like, maybe under the the pastoral hills, there's, like, a, a, a cult. Like, uh, World of Warcraft does this a lot. There's a cave, and there's some cult. Uh, Trying to raise some old god or whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of what happened with... Uh, into the woods that we played. Yeah, exactly. 
It was like this mundane, like we're just playing this kid's life. She maybe has some mental issues. Like we don't know what's going on. And it goes like full on, like being possessed to commit suicide to a pit of darkness. Like <laughs> super weird. That, that's more of like the twist, <laughs> but, like, the it, twist sense than the like the yeah. like. If if you're playing an RPG, you generally go in knowing it's a fantasy game. Whereas that's sort of like, uh, oh god, Indigo Prophecy, Fahrenheit. Uh, the Indigo Prophecy, where sure. like halfway through the game, it's like surprise, it's not a cop drama. You're actually a in a Mayan conspiracy. <laughs> it's the it's 2012 or whatever, the end of the Mayan calendar. Right. Well, I mean, like uh, one of my so I don't like a lot of horror movies at all. I just don't. They're either too scary or too boring or just it's just not something that's ever interested me. But I do have uh, one of the, I do like one which is sort of like a, a a spoof on horror, and that is um, Cabin in the Woods. Have you ever seen this? I've heard of it, but I haven't gotten to see it. I got no. There's like a I, screen I in the cabin or something. There's like some weird twist that goes on. Right. So like, it's. I won't say everything because this is heavy spoilers and. You know, most of the time we don't like like hey you know like we'll preface with spoilers. I actually won't spoil this one if you haven't seen the movie, um, because a it's a lot less time to commit than a full game. <laughs> like I am Satsuna, you have to be like twenty hours to get that spoiler, like we talked about earlier. Versus this is like two, but anyways, like it's not what you. It starts out as what you would see as like a typical horror movie, but like you realize like. Uh, they kind of they explain it to you, but like the, things go awry, and it was all just sort of a facade. You know what I mean? Like you're like, oh, you start to unravel like the sort of like mundane, and it just goes full on, just pure like batshit insane Santa, uh, fantasy. Eventually, right? And it's like, okay, this is just, and that's what makes me like it, right? Because like that's that's like, oh, there was something more to this than just hey. Um, this guy was just a crazy killer. I mean, and then again, like slasher films like Jason and Freddy, they're, they kind of get that fantastical element to them, but that doesn't mean I like them. <laughs> but that, yeah, that kind of stuff. Like, so, um, yeah, I, I get what you're, what, what you're saying. Like, it, it's, it's interesting to think like, what is like, you know, that line that we can cross to go from mundane to fantasy? Because, um, I know you've been playing a lot of D and D lately. Uh, you did drop out of one group, right? It wasn't. You're still in another group. Yeah, I'm still in two groups. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like you've been playing a lot of D and D. Well, um, I'm, I'm just. I mean, <laughs> it's just once a week. It's like it's like the it's like the oh, worst. Okay. Vi- I mean, it's it's like the best video game because like you can only play it multiplayer, and you can only play it like a little bit at a time. But it's also the worst video game. <laughs> it's like you just want to play more. <laughs> right right yeah and it's such a time commitment too compared to like it, it, yeah so we i play thursdays right so today's thursday and I, um after we record here probably gonna get ready and head into town and do some stuff and then get ready to play D for a good you know four or five hours um so like it's D is a good way to sort of test out this concept because there is certainly um even just in the bestiary, there is like things that are more mundane or believable 
then you get into pure fantasy stuff. Uh, and you can sort of like as a DM sort of introduce newer characters. And it's a good thing to do that, to introduce them to stuff like goblins and orcs and that kind of stuff in the beginning, because pop culture and that kind of stuff, it's still fantasy, but it's, it's more mundane at this point. Like, like you were saying, because of Tolkien and Lord of the Rings and other pop culture, like orcs are just a thing. I mean, there's the movie, what bright with Will Smith in it. Like that would have never happened. Like, I actually like that movie. Everyone said it sucked, but I, I liked it. Anyways, <clears throat> it was like a buddy cop movie between an orc and a human. Like, it was just like, that is like, yeah, when you s- just say that, that's fantasy, but it ends up being like mixed with, you know, mundane stuff to sort of ground it, like to understand what happened. It's really weird. Oh, that movie is kind of weird because, like, you get into. <laughs> there's elves in it, too. And they're like, elves are like super. It was so rare. weird. They talked it's about just, the uh, Dark Lord being resurrected. Like, they right. people talk about Tupac not really being dead. Tupac not really being dead. Right, right. It was just like a guy. Like, <laughs> the Dark Lord was just that's, a guy. That's kind of problematic, <laughs> like, drawing an analogy between orcs and, like, African Americans. But we'll just move on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fine. It was fine. Uh, it was passable. Use of yeah. Hour and a half. Um, but right, but it, it's it's sort of like marrying those two ideas to sort of create something new. And D and D is unique in the fact that like you can do anything with it, right? So like, what what ends up happening is like you can do stuff like, hey, here's the goblins and works, and then you work up to stuff like the owl bear, right? And the owl bear, me just saying that you understand what it is, right? Uh, yeah, like that, it's a, it's a it is bear. a bear that is an owl. Like literally, it's like a bear with an owl's face and some feathers on it. Like it's, I mean, there's different interpretations. It's gotten more owly as D and D progresses through the years, but essentially, it's a giant bear that's an, also an owl, and they're bigger than bears. So cool, right? That's not like that's fantasy, obviously, but it's grounded in the fact that it is two animals sort of meshed together. Yeah, then Avatar, you, you're like dragons, that as well, a lot. Right, so like, then there's dragons, obviously Dungeons and Dragons, but dragons is sort of like a pop culture thing. We're kind of used to them. They do very classical European style dragons. Yeah, dragons are almost um, more widespread yeah, yeah. than like orcs and things. Cause... Right, I mean, there's dragons on freaking cars now. Like, <laughs> like they're, you know, they're all over. But like, you get into some crazy shit into D&D, like the Intellect Devourer, or... Um, the Roper or the Beholder or you like stuff like that. Like they're straight up just like pure fantasy, uh, illithids or mind flayers. Uh, besides illithids and mind flayers are the same thing. I'm just saying both names. Uh, but yeah, like, like I say, the intellect devourer is literally a brain with legs that that tries to kill you with psychic energy. Like that's pure fantasy. Like (laughs) that is not based on anything. It's like taking a chihuahua, making it a brain and then trying to make it try to kill you. And then there's like, you know, like I said, the illithids, which are squid people that suck your brains out. Like, like you can go like full on like fantasy with it too. But you don't normally start out with newer players doing that kind of stuff. You're normally, I mean, unless you're just a DM, it like just throws crazy shit at people, anyways. But yeah, that's the thing. It's usually linked to a difficulty curve in a game, even like D and D or just video games. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not going to face an illithid at level one or and survive. I would say <laughs> you're not going to face an illithid and come out with your brain still intact. Um, right. 
So, which actually funny story. My dad did do that against a level one priority and not everyone made it. <laughs> I was like, why'd you do this dad? Cause it was fun. All right. Oh my God. Why? Why you do this? Um, so, so like with just like, cause fantasy is a lot about settings, right? You, you have an enemy and they fit in a setting. Like an illithid is the underdark. Uh, Cobalt, probably cave or mine. Uh, Yeah, mountainous regions even. Yeah, yeah, like different like biomes. And there's the thing of like there's like real life biomes that are linked a lot with fantasy. Like Mario is all real life biomes. World Eight is sort of a cartoonish version of a volcanic area, but uh, it's still sort of based on. Yeah, if you listen to video games though, you would think volcanoes are like just a normal thing. Oh, they exist, but they're like they're not like everywhere, and yeah. they're not always filled with lava. <laughs> and then um, they're not always active and spewing lava. And then you have um, like different sort sets of like fantasy settings that are more uh, that are, that are unique that are they're created, like you said, pure fantasy, like sort of mm-hmm. grandiose caverns, uh, and like the Underdark is definitely a, not a real thing. <laughs> Yeah. Or like the giant mushrooms usually you yeah. get like Skyrim or something. Uh like right. Morrowind yeah, is a good yeah. It's like this ash lands. It's like covered in ash. There's lava everywhere. It's um and you, right. the giant mushrooms and the and the steampunk dwarven things, ruins. Yeah, yeah. D and D has a good way good way of uh sort of separating out those biomes per se. Um, because what you normally end up playing on for like most campaign settings, like if you're playing in D and D league, you're typically either going to be in Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw. Uh, I, I, I totally messed myself up on that one. I don't remember. You're basically going to be in the standard D and D setting. You're going to be in Forgotten Realms, Dragonlance, mean, uh, something Faerun? like that. And all these have uh, Forgotten Realms is Faerun, yes. Um, Forgotten Realms, I think, is the company or the campaigns. I don't. It's weird. They have basically it's two names. It's Forgotten Realms, which is Faerun, um, which is what a lot of D and D stuff is from now. Like they've kind of moved away. Greyhawk. Greyhawk was the one I was thinking of. Uh, where uh, they basically your standard D and D setting has what they call a prime material plane, which is Earth, essentially. Earth. Right. Welcome to Earth. Yeah, you have you like, take Earth. Yeah, welcome to Earth. Bring it back to Will, uh, Will Smith. But uh, <laughs> all the Will Smith, Will Smith references in this episode. Right? Have you seen now the new Aladdin trailer? Reference. <laughs> Just stop me. <laughs> now we need to talk about cancer monsters. <laughs> like I am legend. But uh, the uh, like you always have this like sort of Earth. Like here's like foresty hills. You know rivers. You know, you're going to have deserts, you're going to have jungles, you know, like all this kind of familiar stuff. And D&D is like, okay, here's the elemental plane of fire. It's basically like living on a sun. That's a fantasy realm. (laughs) There's where all the elementals come from. And there's like the city of brass and like this sort of like high fantasy stuff end up being these other worlds, essentially. Um, There's stuff like the astral plane, which is essentially heaven, but not really. It's like a giant plane that's like full of angels and re- loops and stuff so it's it's quite uh, it, it kind of separates and allows you to sort of like have that mundanity um, 
the, the mundanity that, that that is like you know earth and then sort of branch out into what they call the planes of existence and then you can go to stuff like the abyss if you ever write about the abyss in D&D, it's literally infinite number of planes of whatever you want. It just has to be sort of weird and dark and evil. Sort of. Like, there's an abyssal uh, plane that is, like, literally, it's a plane of water. But it has no light. You're just a giant thing of water. <laughs> and there's one city at the bottom, in quotations. <laughs> um, it's full of demon fish. <laughs> so to go back to, like, video games, uh... Right. I think Monster Hunter actually does it pretty well because yes. you have these giant um, these giant dragons and giant uh, crabs in some cases. These giant monsters that are completely fantastical, but they're always in like a setting that you can kind of understand to some extent. Like you usually start in some sort of uh, forest or grassland. Grasslands or yeah, something. Uh, even even something like the deserted island in that has like the underwater areas it's just it's just like an ocean it's not like super out there right yeah you're just like in a coastal island essentially you're like okay this is believable and like where the fantasy element comes in is they try and aggrandize these locations they try and take elements of reality they try and stretch them out and just like make them uh, d- uh delusions of grandeur but like not delusions actual grandeur grandeur confirmed um <laughs> So, so like right. they add all these ruins to the cliff tops in the deserted islands, or the 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 swamp, the flooded forest has that giant Aztec uh, pyramid ruin, and that uh, right. kind of cavern that has the ruins and the glowing blue water, and all the like like the huge mm-hmm. South American array of waterfalls, and even the wild spare waste. It doesn't actually exist in the map, but in the skybox, you can see like this giant tree out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like Monster Hunter World uh, did a pretty good example. It's like they start you off on the sort of normal forest level. It is a giant tree, but it's you know it's like a, it's a forest. It's a video game forest. And then you go to the Badlands. Yeah. And kind of. They're they're more understandable. There's like a river and a estuary and um, there's the giant anthills. But then you go to the coral highlands and the rotten vale, and those are completely. Uh, what well, I mean, the coral highlands are relatable in the sense that coral exists, but it's a completely different setting uh, from a coral reef, really. Right. Or yeah, it, it's it's like the floating island it, concept essentially. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and it's it's a really cool like it's probably one of the more interesting areas, uh, the coral highlands, like the floating jellyfish, little things, and the flying bugs that are look like fish and you know, all that stuff. But you, know, you also get the stuff like the rotten veil, which is sort of like the hey, you're in a giant carcass that is a monster that is now a place. So yeah, it definitely starts out easing you into the fantastical stuff. Um, I'm not really sure what to think about the Elder's Recess, though. Like, it kind of feels like dialed back a little bit. No, I totally into back into reality. I totally agree. There's the giant crystals, but otherwise, it just looks sort of like a like a like inside a volcano. Right, and when giant crystals are not like an unheard of thing, they're like caves in Mexico is literally like seven foot crystals, but I don't think they're like 
worth anything or people protect them at least or something like that. They're, they're not like unheard of things. I guess the sort of like column like rock structures could be a thing in real life, but I don't know. They kind of look fantastical, but yeah, I, I, you're totally right. That's, uh... Monster Hunter World especially is a good way to look at like sort of easing you into the fantastical. That's actually called columnar basalt. Uh, they love to they love oh. to use that in RPGs. It's like a, a, a volcanic rock formation. I've seen it in the mm-hmm. Sky, expansion of Skyrim in one of the areas from Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, like the like okay. the Storm Coast, I think it was. Yeah, it's like right. an art. It's like an art. So it kind of looks fantastical, to, but it, right. It kind of looks fantastical, but it is a real thing, just like the crystals. So yeah, it's yeah. And that's that's one thing Monster Hunter is really good at doing too. Is like it's making these fantastical creatures believable, too. So like they're grounded in you know reality Absolutely. and like you know movement and behavior and all that kind of stuff. That's why it's, I mean that's why I love doing you know my monster ecologies that I do. I write for D and D is I'm trying to explain the fantastical and not with mundanity uh, a lot of time like or you know like but you know just ground it a little bit or at least explain it a little bit to better understand it, you know is what i try to do or you know I, I try to do twists and new things with it like i talked about it's kind of weird but i ended up using essentially an octopus's nervous system to explain how a hydra has heads like explaining the heads the many heads of a hydra is more like octopus tentacles than heads mm-hmm so okay you know, like, like they're like um uh they can be regrown like a, like a lizard's tail right yeah they're nerve clusters essentially and they're not actual brains and i said the brain was in the chest actually and i, I got really technical in that one <laughs> but yeah yeah it's like trying to because like mundanity helps explain stuff to as much as like mundane usually has the definition of boring you know, or the people associated with that, it does help ground fantasy to make it, you know, easier to get into. And that's, that's fun for me to try to ground fantasy and still make it feel fantastical. <laughs> and, um, Monster Hunter doesn't even like go that far of like, they don't even change up the basic, like sort of life logic of like the brain is in the head, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all just like where you would expect it to be, or, you know, this would, you would expect, you know, it to be a, like knock it out of the sky if you hit it really hard like there's a logic um the generation sort of breaks but there is a logic to like even elder dragons even though they seem like very disparate and like one's volcano but like if you just think about like there's dragons that have wings and then there's like wingless dragons like jen moran and kulf and if you kind of like carry that logic through because like there's something in the lore that like the power of an elder dragon there's no magic in monster hunter it's one of the great things about the setting right is that the power of elder dragons is like it's uh, embodied in their horns so every elder dragon has a horn not everyone has wings um sure and oh oh man yeah, horn. Oh, it's so good uh you're talking about ecology it, uh, in the the, the dive to monster hunter world book zora magros that you see a cutaway of like it without the shell and its spine mm. is just it, the vertebrae are magma cores so all down the center yeah. of its body it's got all these magma cores but you can only see a couple of them to hit so when you're attacking it you're hitting its spinal vertebrae 
Ouch! It's like, uh... No wonder that hurts it. It's like Star-Lord in Twilight Princess, where you have to whack its spine and have it fall down to the next <laughs> tier and whack the next vertebrae out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a funny one. Uh, well, cool. I, I, I thought that was a cool discussion. I didn't know where we were going to go with that. Uh, do you have more to say? Oh, I just wanted to, because I'm such a fanboy. Uh, yeah. Just the other good example <laughs> is uh, Zelda, because it's, it's the classic right. uh, uh, forest, uh, fire, uh, water, right? Yeah. That's like the, the basic three temple structure. So, um, like you have the forest, which is the Kokiri forest is a little bit uh, fantastical, but you know, it's basically understandable. Anyone who's seen Peter Pan. Um, yeah, fairies, forest, yeah. Not too bad. Yeah, and, and the gi- giant trees again. Uh, love giant trees. Favorite thing. Um, oh, yeah. And then you go to the, the lava area, which is. Uh, it's, it's usually like a cave or something, and it's right. Dodogama's cave, all you know, all that kind of stuff. Dodogama's <laughs> you lost me there for a second. Uh, uh Dodogama, uh, Dodongo, yeah, a... um, Dodongo. <laughs> I literally, I literally just said a monster hunter thing. It just, yep. That's, that's what no, it dude, is. I, I understand that. <laughs> I do that too much, too. Um, and that's like Dodogama's cave. Dodongo's cave was like, had this, like the Rotten Vale had this huge, like, skeleton, I think, in part of it. And then this giant, like, mouth of a, of a Dodongo. An old That was like the old one, yeah. The door or something. Mm hmm. And. You had a bomb its eyes to get it to oh yeah from the bridge above that was was classic yeah but but (laughs) that fire level whatever in whatever game it may be it's always going to be kind of real like based on volcanic uh areas slash mordor right but still and mordor is the original yeah but still be but still be somewhat more unfamiliar than a forest right so yeah it's like it's like a little bit like that that step up yeah and then you usually like and go through you go an area like Zora's River, <laughs> and then you have yeah. a sort of transition. And, then it gets... and the underwater levels are always something different, like completely different, uh, both in gameplay and in setting. Because water is alien mm-hmm. to us, because of course we're you know monkeys, um, apes. Right, we are land dwellers. Yeah, and that that just further uh, accelerates it or uh, iterates the progression like if i can yeah. go through like twilight princess as an example just real quick you get like forest temple yeah. and there's more monkeys <laughs> um uh the monkey right. swing and then you go to the goron mines which is sort of like a slag mine there's a lot of iron and there's some magnets and things that are pretty uh it's almost steampunky and you go to the lake bed temple which is uh it's at the b- bottom of a lake and that's a pretty high fantasy like uh, yeah. Fellowship of the Ring, the river in that kind of area. Sure. And and then it's like this huge, like ornate, like castle, like, uh, like really well furnished area, but it's also uh, underwater. <laughs> yeah, it's got like salt water, like jellyfish, like enemy designs, and like corals and parts of it. Right. Uh, and then, and then the next one. Okay. Is... Yeah. No, it's. Hmm? It's you're totally right. It does do 
Um, I can see where you're talking about, like, it's definitely a higher fantasy because we're not familiar with water, essentially. Yeah, and then uh, the next area would be you go through the desert and into the the Arbiter's Grounds, the sort of uh, prison slash crypt, and it's yeah sand and, like, really I, horror. Yeah, undead themed. stuff there, yeah. Yeah, like all the fantasy undead tropes. Yeah. And from there... No, it's a. Those are really good examples. Um, I I haven't. I wasn't as familiar with Twilight Princess. I know you are because I think that's your favorite Zelda, right? Is Twilight Obsessed. Princess. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I really like that one, but it's been since you know, 2006 that I played and finished it. So <laughs> we're talking like 13 years ago. So. Yeah, that's oh man, the, the launch even. Um, right. But then you have the the fun level, uh, the really fun level, is uh, snow snow peak, uh, of course the Arctic mountain region, and you get the snow peak ruins, right. which is like this ancient abandoned Hylian manor, which is both. Uh, so you got the two layers of the Arctic tundra and this sort of fantasy castle that demons of or that you know Zelda monsters have inhabited. And then you go to the Temple of Time, which is sort of uh, one of the least Churchy. placeable uh, dungeons in Twilight Princess. It's right. It's sort of like anachronistic because you time travel to get into it, and then it's like future. Pa- it's like uh, lost knowledge from the past. That trope. And it's everything's like metal, and right. it's like sort of magitech. And there's, like, a lot of golems and things, and it's very ornate and golden and bronze. And, and finally, you, you, right. you have to track down all these things and get shot through a cannon into the sky. And you go to the uh, uh, the land of the Chozo, being sarcastic, the city in the sky, which is this sort of steampunk. Uh, oh, God, I forgot about those things. Those stupid, weird chickens. The o- o- oh, o- God. God. The cuckoo. Oh god! It's like an anagram of cuckoo or something. The human face chickens. Oh, they're so creepy. And they truly are. But but they have that whole uh, classic like sitting in the sky trope. Um, But it's more steampunk than uh, you know walking on clouds necessarily. Uh, and then, you know, the four, yeah. final boss in every Zelda game is always, like, either Ganon's Tower or Mount Doom or Hyrule Castle to just save the land and all that. Right. The the, the brooding, you know, not necessarily dark, but like, definitely brooding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We'll be done in like a minute. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll, well, we'll be done very soon. It's okay. <laughs> All right. See. <laughs> it's gonna be fun for you to edit. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let me snap and we'll. Get what you. were we saying? <laughs> um. Well, we were talking about the dark and brooding of the castle. Right, you were saying something. Like. Yeah. So. So basically, it's you know. I always feel like the last level, especially in the Legend of Zelda, is always this dark and brooding stuff. Mario, it's always sort of like the fire castle thing, um, and that kind of stuff. Uh, it's just, 
it's just uh it yeah it's always supposed to be like evil right but not necessarily uh i i don't know i don't know how to say this not evil in a sense of like demonic and that kind of stuff but evil is in like this is this is the final showdown so things are getting intense you know what i, I mean? think the uh, trick they've always done in zelda to make it uh more effective is they've always had evil take over the castle which is just supposed to be a bastion of you know the government supposed to represent uh, you know stability but it's been perverted uh and corrupted yes uh by the kind of I guess later they did sort of back run it back explain that uh, retcon that Dan- Ganon is a demon and there are like angels and demons and so but anyway uh, yeah yeah new, they uh, yeah. new lore <laughs> yeah thank you Breath of the Wild I was actually Skyward Sword <laughs> it, was like, it was the goddess waifu <laughs> is the waifu now. oh Oh dear. Oh, uh, that's yeah. Anywho, <laughs> fantasy tropes. But They're yeah, fun. they are, and and uh, yeah, I think, like I said, I think it was a actually a better topic than I thought it was because I didn't know what you meant by that. You just told me mundane versus fantastical, and I'm like, cool. The only thing I can think of is when I look at art, like, <laughs> but I, no, it was pretty here. good. I liked it. Yeah. Um, uh, so cool. Uh, I guess we'll wrap it up here. Um, so this is uh, Fortwan. You can catch me at Hunter's Hub Pod. Um, you'll just see my name Fortwan up there because it makes it less confusing. Um, and you'll see uh, you know me post stuff uh, about you know what I've been playing, and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes uh, you know. And if you if you want to be a guest and you're a listener feel free to tweet at me. We actually take, you know, many random guests. Uh, Mad Wolf was someone I just found on Twitter. Uh, he's been on a couple times. And, I mean, Haru was just someone I met on Reddit through moderation stuff and asked if he'd be interested in being a co-host <laughs> after a while. I'm a rando. <laughs> yeah, was like, yeah, I mean, not, not really rando, because, like, I actually like to talk to people before bringing them on a little bit. Um, just to make sure they're not like crazy or not come up here and spout like super racist stuff. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I don't think I've turned someone away yet, but I do have a system for <laughs> turning people away. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so if you're not racist, most people you're, probably, on here, you're probably all right. Right. I mean, there's probably more than that, but yeah. <laughs> So anyways, um, so I'll see you guys on the next quest. And on that quest, where will we find you, Hara? I'll be at a Kane's Dead Grand. Um, I don't tweet too much, but that also means I don't flood your feed. So there. Okay, that's fair. Besides <laughs> the coin. I don't... I mean, I don't tweet too much, unless I'm, I don't know, feeling particularly tweety. Flighty. I was say froggy. Right. I, I don't fight on Twitter. No, flighty. I don't think I've ever. Oh, flighty. Yeah. <laughs>